Hi, you're listening to the Yoga Business Wisdom Podcast number 14. Welcome to the Yoga Business Wisdom Podcast, offering you time-proven tips and tools to build a prosperous yoga business. Now your host, Lynn Ann Polite. Today, I'm talking with Eileen McGurdy. Eileen has spent almost two decades in the trenches, as she calls it, of online teaching with a mission to, quote, rid the world of the -the run-of-the-mill, kind of lame online courses. Eileen actually spent 20 years as a university professor and administrator, and during most of that time, she taught online regularly, as well as in the classroom. She trained other faculty teachers to teach online and built and ran online graduate programs at leading universities. Now, when she started teaching online, most people didn't think of online courses as real courses. But Eileen saw the power of online learning to create more freedom while expanding the reach of ideas and learning. When an online course is designed with the student results at its heart, she says, it really can be a powerhouse of transformative learning. So after Eileen became a yoga teacher, she decided to complete continuing ed by taking online courses from the top-rated yoga teachers, but was really uh, disappointed, I guess, or didn't really find that they were really good, effective courses. They had lots to teach, but they really weren't maximizing the learning of the student with their online courses. So after having taught for about eight years yoga in studios and to incarcerated men and women, Eileen now works with yoga teachers to build a sustainable income by creating high-quality, dynamic online courses that get students the same results as in-person yoga courses. This is my discussion with her. Thank you for joining me today, Eileen. Thank you. It's great to be here. So, uh, you know, in looking at um, Eileen's website, which is greatonlineteaching.com, she's been doing this for quite a while, and she was doing it back in the day where it really wasn't something that was considered uh, real teaching, is how she put it. So I, I wanted to know, Eileen, if you would just tell us a bit about sort of what you've seen from when you started in this whole Uh, and how many years ago that was, and what you've seen going in the trend in with online courses in particular. Let's start there. Sure. Um, As I I started in online teaching back in 1999, I was at a university that was trying to spearhead some online uh, education, and I jumped on. I thought it was a great idea, mainly for me because I, um, at that time, I was very interested in teaching uh, without having to be attached to a location. Having a dual academic household made it very difficult to uh, be living in the same place. And uh, so I thought, oh, this might be a chance and a way to do this. And I just kind of jumped right in. But a lot of my colleagues thought, oh, that's not really teaching. I have to be standing in front of a group of people in order for it to be me really teaching. And so, as I kind of learned about um, some of the techniques for teaching online, um, I quickly found that that was not true if you did it well. So, a lot of people were responding to the fact that when we started out in this world, it was kind of, you know, it would, they, the courses were just so blah, they were so... Un, you know, they were so not exciting. They sort of were like mail in, you know, like or phone it in kind of thing. Mm-hmm. 
And at that time, because the technology wasn't as easy, it was hard to do anything more than that. It really required a lot of effort, (laughs) a lot of effort. Um, And so that's how I got into it. And I developed all kinds of online programs at universities and taught uh, other teachers how to create online courses that were dynamic and interesting and just as good, maybe even better in terms of outcomes from in-person classes. And when I started, um, you know, the, the world, the yoga world started getting involved and other industries started getting involved in online education. Yogis particularly were like, were very, very skeptical, <laughs> very skeptical because of course we're used to yoga. It's a physical practice or there's at least a physical practice aspect to it, a significant one. And we're used to this idea of, you know, we're all in the same room together, watching the teacher, the teacher in some, sometimes even there's um, like a physical adjustment that goes on, not always, but right, sometimes. Right. And so it was, they, there was such a huge um, hesitancy. Uh, and that would be probably true of all kinds of other uh, industries as well, related to wellness, health, all kinds of things. You know, now you go online and you name the topic and I could find an online course for you. Yeah, yeah. Some of them may be well done. Some of them may be not well done, but I am sure that there's an online course. My favorite is that I was, uh, my favorite story is um, I was trying to find a, 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 a new bra and I must sew, I sew and I couldn't find one. And I thought, oh, maybe I'll sew one. Well, you would not believe the number of courses on how to sew your own bra. I couldn't believe it. It was I, I was shocked. Um, and now, now, of course, people have come to realize that you can really learn a lot if it's taught well online, and the industry is just busting open. One hundred and seven billion dollars industry and it's set to grow to be over 200 billion in five years so that's not just yoga right that's everybody that's the whole, that's online. The whole world right yeah, that's but let's say thing. you know you brought up a point that i did want to ask about and that is is do you think which i know the answer is yes but do you <laughs> think that yoga can be taught and delivered effectively online because i think that there are still some skepticism about that yet even with all that's going out so so with that, um, you know, what are your thoughts just in general about can it be taught online and maybe some uh, critical overviews of what needs to happen for it to be effective online or why it is effective online, I should say. Right. Oh, that's that's a great question. Yeah, obviously, I think it can be. I know it can be. I've worked with lots of teachers t- to create very uh, successful and by successful, I don't just mean financially. I mean in terms of results for students, mm-hmm. uh, online courses for yoga. So um, I think that on, what I'd like to do is I like to sort of flip that issue on its head. And so rather than sort of look at, oh, I can't be in the same room, all the limitations of the online, right, mm-hmm. that mo- many yogis might go to, especially because we like also, you know, we like being with people. I mean, that's part of why we're yoga teachers, right? right. So they, that's where they go. If we flip that on its head and you can actually say, yeah, 
But when you're in a class, in a classroom or in a studio or in a workshop, here are all the things that you can't do that you can do online, mm. mm-hmm. right? You can have uh, a, a conversation that is um, in, the, in the business, we call it asynchronous. That means it's not at the same time. Mm-hmm. That gives people time to think about, process, uh, practice, and then come back and ask questions and be in dialogue with other people. Um, you can provide support that will um, enable your students to kind of like have you there when you're not there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can you can um, you can add things, you know as you see a need arise. So in other words, if you, you put your course together, you know, and you do it, you, you think you've done it, you know, just perfectly fine, it's ideal. And then you realize, oh, wait, there's this whole area that students aren't getting. I can change that now and I can give it, I can make it better so that the students can now really get it. When you're in a workshop, in a studio, you walk out of the room, you think, oh, I should have done that a little differently. Well, you're never going to have that group of people together again, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? So there are. I, I like to think of it as like the opportunities that online presents. Of course, you can reach so many more people, um, and I, I I think that the one area, and you know, I usually counsel people to try to think beyond streaming yoga yoga classes as a way of teaching yoga online. Not to say that you can't have, uh, you know, a a full like yoga practice or yoga instruction as part of your online class. But if you're thinking just, let me just stand here in front of the camera and do my yoga practice and people can follow along, then you're missing so many opportunities. the, the, The medium provides so much more than that plus it's going to be really hard to compete yeah that's what I do so I think a good point that I'd like to differentiate here that you've just brought up which is a good one is the difference between streaming or subscription services which are video classes which are basically people just setting up a camera in a regular class and an actual course which I would define a more of what you were saying is taking that time to maybe break down things or teaching um, a certain, you know, I teach a course in business. And so it's like, you're breaking down a subject area, you're having exercises, there's a dialogue between you and the course, versus a streaming webinar or a streaming video, where it's a class that's online, that is just a substitute for you actually traveling to the studio. Is that how you see it as well? Those differentiations? Yes, exactly. So I think of a course also, uh, as you're presenting a body of uh, material to solve a very specific problem for your students. Okay. Okay. Um, so I, ca- I think this is great. I think that this is a really clean differentiation. And this, this talk that we're going to talk about today is the online course. If it's not the necessarily where if you just, you know, that mounting that up, it's where you actually have a, a curriculum or you, what I call a body of work. You said a body of content, you know, where you're, this is something. And the best one, as you said, is to focus on solving a particular problem. So um, I want to just 
continue that conversation around opportunities. I call it benefits. So let's can you let's just discuss um, for the teacher because I think it'll also help formulate what kind of content that they want to would put up is really what is the benefit for the teacher and then what is also what is the benefit for the user? Like what what are the opportunities for both of them for this for this idea of putting your body of work online in a course in a course yeah. format? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, the uh, the benefits for a yoga teacher are, you know, just innumerable. I'll I'll mention a few. It certainly isn't an exhaustive list. I mean, firstly, because you will be organizing a body of work to solve a particular problem, then you getting you're getting very very specific and creating um, a. Um, a niche, basically, yeah, right. a market niche, and you're you're becoming uh, an expert in a particular area. So this can only help in in your business as you sort of develop and um, deepen your business that you get known for something. Um, you can also build a sustainable income. We all know, like running from studio to studio, trying to piece together some kind of uh, income it's yeah it's yoga teacher hell I mean some people have been able to do it but it's it's the rare yoga teacher who can really make a living doing that um I think the other thing is that like just sort of jumping into a little bit of a, a like a non-financial aspect of it is like we as yoga teachers we are passionate about what we teach and so when you teach online you're able to actually give more it's you're able to reach more you're able to kind of release that passion out into the world mm -hmm. so it's it can be incredibly satisfying um, in a different way than teaching it in a studio but it can be very satisfying because there's students all over the world who can benefit from the passion and the knowledge that you that you have um, and the other thing is that you can offer, you can diversify your offerings so that you're not just solely uh, relying on one particular kind of offering program income. Um, and this, to me, makes for a more interesting career. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. it also makes for a better income stream, but it also makes for more interest. In terms of the user, I mean, that's a really great question. Uh, I think the most important thing for the user or the student is a specific need is addressed. You know, the, the problem, if the course is well-designed, the problem that the student comes to that course with is resolved to a certain extent. You know, obviously we can't promise the world or make promises we can't keep or whatever, but solving the problem, that's what the student gets out of it. Um, and I would say that other things, I mean, I think that is, and I also, um, you know, that's just such a direct thing, sort of like you wanting to, you know, sew your bra, you know, there you are, now it's done. But also yeah. <laughs> through the course, 
um, which is the opportunity versus a workshop, which is moving along and has, um, even if a workshop where people can break it down a little better, you know, or have more time to break it down, you're still in the environment of other people and their learning styles that you have the time to go back to the material, um, you know, have an interaction with the material, take it at your own pace. And then of course, for people that have other commitments, whether it's their home life or their children or their professional, they can do it when they can do it. Um, that's the other, of course, advantage of having an online course for the, the user is it's, it's kind of on demand as far as delivering it as, as opposed to organizing everything and being at a certain place at a certain time. Um, but I think that it's interesting that, um, which I'm sure is what we're going to actually segue in is, I was going to ask like some of the key factors that a, a teacher when thinking about doing um, sort of just the top five, you know, like thinking about doing their online course, like what is the key thing? And it sounds like what you're saying to me, the first one is to define, define and then solve a, def a very specific and definable problem of what your student, that seems like the first one, that's what you brought up. Is that? Absolutely. Right. I mean, that's where you have to start. And then sort of taking that piece one step further is then to really clarify and know very specific observable results that the students will get mm. at the end of that course. So you can say, I'm going to solve this problem, but I'm going to know that that problem is solved because the student is going to be able to do this, that, the other thing. And that is the key to success because once you know, oh, here's where we're going exactly, this very point here, then you just back it up, it's called backward design, to figure out how to get them mm -hmm, there. Mm -hmm. So I would say that is the number one thing. So from well, the way that I market and um, market things is I always start with a benefit base. So it's like, what are you offering to people? Because they they really, it, the doodads of whether or not it's, you know, audio or video or it's four weeks or it's six weeks, that's just to me the doodads, like that's just the deliverable. Mm -hmm. it's, it's not mm -hmm. the, it's not what they're buying. They're buying the promise. They're buying results. They're, so really it's, it makes so much sense when I talk to people about marketing, even with their own, their own classes, I'm like, you know, what are, what are the benefits to your students? What are your students saying about you? What are you creating for them? What experience, what results? And what I'm hearing you say is start there and then back out, back into the, um, the course versus somebody saying, um, and I'm that, that's, you know, that's probably a big issue that people come to you with is like, I have all this materials. I don't know where to start. So with that, let us ask you that. What are some of the biggest issues or problems or obstacles that teachers come to you for and that you know what are they and then how can how can you help them solve them yeah so one is getting clear on all of that stuff that you just talked about in terms of what is the problem and then getting really specific about how you know that problem is solved and then the other is absolutely way too much information way too much because we are all so passionate about everything you know and so what I help uh, folks to do is once you get very clear about what you want the results to be, then you ask yourself, you know, does the student really need to know this in order to get that result? Mm -hmm. And if the answer is no, you put it either you get rid of it or you put it in a nice to know package. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And so everything sort of kind of all the problems can get solved if you start with that big issue. Another thing, though, that I have to say that p- people get come to me with a lot of questions about technology. And mm-hmm. um, golly, I can't blame them. For me, there are so many options out there. Luckily, most of them are fairly user-friendly now, unlike 1999 when it was kind of a nightmare to learn them. Um, but there's just so many to choose from. So what I like to do with that is to just really ask what the goal is um, and make sure that we pick like just a handful of programs and perhaps some hardware, depending if you need a camera or something, to kind of get you to that goal rather than uh, thinking, you know, really big get very very specific and um so the other thing that uh students have trouble with kind of going back to that problem clarity of problem solving is you know how to organize the material um and that kind of comes out of i have so much i don't know where to put it all so once you kind of get rid of all the extra it does sort of fall into a place um, a little bit easier, fall into place. Mm -hmm. But I like to bring students through a process of figuring out what the steps are to get to the results. And once you know those steps, then it's much easier to find out what the sequence is. Uh, Similar to how you might teach yoga, you know, uh, if you're trying to teach a particular asana as a peak pose, you know, well, these are the skills that you need to know in order to get there. So let's make sure we hit on those in an appropriate sequence. So these are sort of the similar, similar kinds. It's a similar kind of problem, although it's more, um, I don't know, cognitive perhaps. And uh, so those are really the main things, organizing, getting the fat out, being really clear about results, um, creating enough support materials I usually find that we ha- you have to create way more than you think you do. It's always better to have more. You mean stuff like worksheets and... Yeah, and, mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. Checklists, extra little videos. I always have, every single lesson has a summary, learning objectives. This is how you go through the lesson. This is what you do. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the lesson, some way of kind of pulling it all together I call it a content sandwich you have a the 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 one the beginning is like you know all the introductory stuff then you stick a little tiny piece of content in there and then you wrap it up and then you go to the next sandwich a little introduction you know put a little content in there and then you wrap it up so you have all these like Maybe I should call them sliders. They're like little sandwiches. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Uh, You know, it reminds me of of the, I met someone who was teaching a workshop and and a live like five day and they were going to come in and film it. So that their idea was we're going to film it and then we're going to sell it as a course. And I'm like, "Mm, like, I don't, I don't, I want to hear your impact, impact, input on that of what people say. They're trying to double, I get that they're kind of trying to double whammy it, but it it yeah. seems like it for the way you're saying it, it would be much more. It would need some massaging. It would need some uh, uh, quite a bit. Yeah. yeah, I have never seen it work well. Um, when you start with here, I have this filmed workshop now, I and I want to make it a course. 
it's not to say that you wouldn't necessarily want to include some film of some live presentation. Right. There could be a place in a curriculum where that could really work well, and maybe even a significant part of the curriculum, I, you know, depending on the situation. Um, but that's not the place to start. Mm-hmm. This, you know, the place mm-hmm. to start is to figure out, you know, the, the, the path and how you're going to get there, because how you're going to get there online is going to be very different from how you're going to get there in person. Right, right. Um, and the, uh, one other thing though, I, I do encourage, I'm really glad you brought this up because I do encourage yoga teachers to take their in-person workshops, you know, even if it's just like a three hour afternoon workshop or something, it doesn't have to be five days and use that as the basis of an online course. Because first of all, they're clearly passionate about it. They're putting all this extra energy into it. They know a lot about it. They're very comfortable with the material. You know, there's lots of reasons to do that. It probably is also solving a particular problem, you know, all those Mm -hmm. things. Right. But, um, and I do encourage uh, my my students to um, record it, but not with, I usually just suggest an audio because it's easier. Um, Because if you want to make, well, let me finish that one sentence. I have a lot to say about this topic, clearly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So recording the audio and listening to it is a really great way to figure out what you want to do in your online class. Mm, I mean, yeah. absolutely. Then the other thing that's really key is when you record it, you hear the student's questions. Right. And the student questions in that workshop are what you're going to have to build into that, that online course that you don't have in the workshop that's where a lot of extra stuff is going to have to happen. Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah, absolutely. Because they're asking questions of things that either you didn't clarify in the way that you were teaching it, or that's a tangent information that they need to understand what you're teaching. So that is definitely, that's a great idea to just listen to that and create um, and include that. Um, yeah, that, that, that kind of segues. Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, please go ahead. Okay. Well, that segues into sort of what type of programs, either, either lengths or, um, you know, videos versus audios versus, you know, what that, and even topics that you, maybe your experience working with the teachers that you've done that you have found successful. Is there something like that, like length or number of modules or, you know, kind of the setup? Yeah. I mean, I, I throw this number out of like a six week, six module thing. Mm -hmm. It it Mm -hmm. is, I, I can't really give you any evidence base for that. It's really more of a gut feeling, mm-hmm. kind of watching the industry, you know, um, also sort of knowing. Basically, you can, with six weeks, you can get into the meat of something, but students are going to get results quickly enough that they're not going to drop off, or fewer, fewer of them will drop off. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like to think about a four to six weeks, maybe eight weeks at the most. Uh, I know, um, some of my clients have eight week classes and there's reasons for that, you know, a specific reason or something. So that is like a scoping, um, issue. So, so really when you what go, that off- go ahead, put that up. I was going to say when that often ends up doing is for a lot of my clients is then they end up creating two courses, an intro and an advanced. So it's really cool because then you get two different 
right. courses and you're building an audience and you're, you know, expanding your offerings. And, you know, so if you can really figure out a way of scoping it to that, to that level, it usually ends up being uh, a, a better business decision in addition to an educational decision. Right. Um, the one thing that I, I, again, I come from the marketing end of it, right? So that the, the course, but I always say that you should be talking about the marketing before you even create the course, sort of like you're saying you should talk about, which is what you're saying, you know, what is the, what are you solving? What are the benefits? That's the end and back in the course, because some people come to me and they'll have done this book or this course. And I'm like, okay, who's this for? What is the specific? And I can't even market it, right? Because I, it, and you have to repurpose it. But the one thing, and I almost spaced it out, let me see, oh, is to balance this, um, this idea of really the attention span. Cause I, for some reason, it's like two weeks definitely seems too short. Four weeks seems sort of short. Eight weeks seems a little long. So I'm in there too with the six weeks, the four to six weeks. But what I like that you've added to that is what, what it's like, okay, I'm going to do a four week course, which means I'm going to take all this content and I'm going to break it down into six weeks. Well, the, that's not, it's like, well, what content? And what I liked what you said is finding a result that they can achieve in that end of that six weeks. That's what I heard you say, which I think is a, a different little nuance than I've heard is it's like, it's not that it's all this content and I'm breaking up into six weeks. It's, it doesn't even matter if it's four, six or eight weeks. You kind of want to do that marketing wise for perception for people of commitment, but really you want to have a result at the mm -hmm. end of that six weeks. So they feel that they've accomplished something versus they have so much information that they accomplished really nothing, or they have information that they didn't accomplish or get any results. Um, so I think that's a it's like really um, sitting down and, I mean, I'd say it for me, what can I teach somebody in six weeks that they will have a deliverable, that they will have something that is a result, that then they'll go, okay, I accomplished that and finished it and did it. And, you know, they have that sense of accomplishment, plus they, they've solved the problem, right. whatever it was. So I think that's great. Do you have a, do you have a, this is a really out there kind of thing. And again, I have a number in mind, but what, you know, for a four to six week program, what is a price point? I think I get that asked out a lot too. It's so difficult. Uh, there are, there's such a range. I know people who have about a six module course that charge $300. I know other people who charge $900. I think a sweet spot is somewhere in the four to $500 range. Um, but it also kind of depends on your audience, depends on your competition, um, and the actual result. Like, what are you promising and what value does that have? Right. So you're probably much better at answering that question than I am because that's more of a marketing uh, decision. But well, we've, we've had, I, I agree with you, it's all over the gamut. I mean, you've even got people selling four to six weeks for $99. But there seems to be, um, there's a different, it depends on the deliverable and, and really the value added. It's not really whether it's four weeks and that's $25 a week or four weeks and that's $100 a week. It's really what the promise is and it's really to what level of, um, you know, as you said, all those other factors. But on and, and a strictly pricing, um, I would say there's a, seems to be a sweet spot of that in between of $250. And $250 is the sweet spot of 99 is pretty cheap and 59 or 49 people will probably do pretty compulsive, you know, like here. So you'd want volume. Um, but that would also be just a course, not something maybe some people do courses with some type of support. And that doesn't really make sense to have it that less expensive and not having when you're it's actually your time involved in supporting whether it's through calls or Facebook groups or whatever. Um, but the other but other people will, you know, will price it up there. 
um, higher, especially if they're in a thing where this qualifies for some type of continuing ed in a professional or a PT or a professional organization, they'll price it a little higher because of those, because of the qualifications that the, the instructor is needed to be able to offer that course. But for some reason, I think around 250 or 249 seems to be that in between where people make a commitment, but don't feel like it's out of their budget. Um, but I, I agree with you. It does run the gamut of it. And when people ask me that, I just am, you know, it's like, listen, so it's your, it's your, it's your teachings, it's your brain. And it's after that it's online and it's technology. There's no printing costs or additional costs. There's just marketing costs. So really just figure out what, you know, so that you're not losing money um, and putting a value on it because it's all over the map. So I agree with you on that one uh, as far as pricing. Mm-hmm. But I think, I think though that it's, it lends itself for real um, success. And just to start wrapping this up, I think the, the key points really are, um, is, is really how, you know, having that promise and having that uh, deliverable or that result and then backing it out and then breaking it all down in a really, um, you know, easy way. So just as the ending, um, I find it really amazing when I find people that have have this experience and then become yoga teachers such as yourself. And then they bring Mm -hmm. this amazing business experience into the yoga world. Uh, and so I just want to, you know, tell everyone that, um, that Eileen does this coaching and teaching on greatonlineteaching.com and really can walk you through the process. And she has her own six-week system that, you know, to really map it out so that you really um, can can create that curriculum in a way that, it, that will set you up for success. And the thing that's really great about uh, coaches like Eileen or and what I do with marketing is we we sort of show you the shortcuts. I mean, not the shortcuts in the in the bad way, but just um, allow you and um, seeing all the results that um, Eileen does and what she teaches you is allows you to not keep stumbling, wasting time, you know, that it's expensive, your time is valuable, of stumbling through and creating something that at the end, it, it really isn't as effective as it could possibly be. Um, so I really think that um, it's great that here's this this um, individual, Eileen, who can <laughs> can help you do that and has this years of experience about curriculum development that is specifically for online, which is different than you doing a curriculum for your own workshop live. So I just wanted to um, tell you, I think it's another great resource for the, the teachers that are listening to this podcast. And I really appreciate you, Eileen, for taking the time to come and tell us all these things. Well, thank you, Lynn-Ann. It's been really fun. I love talking about this. I could do it all day. That's uh, right, because you want, to, you want to get rid of those run-of-the-mill kind of lame online courses. I <laughs> absolutely do. They make me crazy. <laughs> absolutely make me nuts. And so, well, with that, with that as her mission, we're going to say goodbye. And thank you, Eileen, again for joining us here on uh, Yoga Business Wisdom. Thanks. Thanks. You've been listening to the Yoga Business Wisdom Podcast with Lynn Ann Polite.